Hello, and welcome to the first in a series of Regulation Tomorrow podcasts that focus on the future of asset management regulation in the UK. My name's Anita Edwards, and I'm a senior knowledge lawyer here at Norton Rose Fulbright in London. Today, I'm joined by Hannah Meakin, a partner in our financial services team, and associate Tahir Ahmed, and we're going to be discussing some of the macro themes that we saw coming out of the FCA's recent discussion paper, DP232, on the future of the UK's asset management regime. So the FCA published the DP in February, asking for views on the current UK regulatory regime for funds and asset managers, and setting out various ideas to improve it. Now, I should just note that the FCA isn't suggesting that it will implement all of the ideas included in the DP. This is a sort of menu of ideas that it is seeking views on from the industry until the 22nd of May. Our recent briefing note goes into the detail of some of those ideas, so if you haven't seen that yet, it is worth a read. The first cross-cutting theme from the DP that I wanted to touch on is the FCA's stated overall aim of simplifying the asset management regime and the broader impact that might have on asset managers in practice. Hannah, perhaps we could come to you for this first theme. How is the FCA proposing to simplify the regime and what could the broader costs or implications be for the industry? Thanks, Anita, and hello, everyone. The current rules for UK asset managers come from various pieces of EU legislation, rather than being structured in a way that's perhaps more coherent from a UK domestic perspective. So several of the ideas in the DP are aimed at simplifying or restructuring the rules to address this. And a good example is the FCA's proposal to introduce a common rulebook for asset managers. At the moment, managers have to look at the coal and fund source books, plus various other rules elsewhere in the FCA handbook, including CISC and COBS, and where applicable, the onshored AIFMD or MIFID II Level 2 regulations. Different rules apply to different types of funds and asset managers, but there is also duplication, for example, in core conduct rules around conflicts of interest management and outsourcing. The FCA isn't proposing to consolidate all of the rules that apply to asset managers into a single source book like COL or FUND, but it is considering whether to create a common framework for asset managers so that the rules that are common to all types of asset management are more coherent and consistent. The FCA hasn't given any detail yet around exactly what this would look like, and we're unlikely to see any details about that until after the 22nd of May, as we're still in the early stages of the FCA's thinking on this topic. In terms of implications for the industry, which you also asked about, Anita, there are some obvious potential benefits of simplifying the regime. It would reduce the compliance burden for new asset managers entering the market, which might in turn improve competition in the market. A simplified regime might also make it easier for the FCA to supervise firms more efficiently. On the other hand, changing large parts of the FCA rules will inevitably cause disruption and extra costs for many existing firms that have got used to the, the way that it's set out at the moment, at least in the short term. How severe that impact is will depend on the extent of the change in the rules. For example, if a new rule seeks to achieve similar outcomes to the current rules, the impact on individual firms should be less. The FCA suggests in the DP that it could allow longer for firms to implement the changes where the impact would be greater. Another key consideration in creating a common rulebook is the fact that despite the FCA's best intentions, asset managers may end up having to comply with more regulation as opposed to less. While it may be easier to navigate the UK rules if the FCA introduces a common rulebook, there would still be crossover to areas where other parts of the handbook would apply to multi-purpose firms who are not only conducting asset management activities, but also doing things like brokerage or research services. 
So the overarching message from the FCA is that it wants asset managers and others in the industry more broadly to give their views on these simplification ideas and help the FCA decide whether on balance they're worth pursuing. Thanks, Hannah. Many asset managers and others in the industry will be thinking about their response to the DP in the run-up to the 22nd of May deadline. While they're putting together their feedback on the FCA's ideas, what are the potential additional burdens they should be taking into account? So here, maybe we can come to you for this. Thanks, Anita. As Hannah mentioned earlier, existing firms are likely to be hit by the proposed changes more than new entrants, as their systems and controls are already geared towards the current regulatory regime. Asset managers are likely to have a set of new rules to comply with, which could include enhanced reporting requirements. If these are introduced, there would be cost implications for firms, as they will probably need to improve their systems and controls to meet those requirements. Proposed changes around liquidity management would also see managers having to carry out regular stress tests, which would give rise to additional costs. The FCA is also proposing new requirements that would impact portfolio managers, notably in relation to host AFM. The DP suggests creating specific contractual requirements between the AFM and the portfolio manager to reduce the risk of misunderstandings about their respective obligations. Now, the FCA hasn't gone into detail at this stage, but it seems like these could include prescribed contractual requirements similar to what we see for appointed representatives. This would clearly increase the compliance burden for portfolio managers and might even deter some new entrants from entering the UK market. We will go into these implications in more detail in a separate podcast, as the focus on host AFMs by the FCA has been quite significant from an oversight perspective. As you and Hannah also mentioned earlier, these are just ideas at the moment. For example, the FCA does suggest in the DP that as an alternative to creating the host AFM contractual requirements, a trade body or similar association could help develop industry guidance to set appropriate standards and act as a guide for host AFMs. This kind of approach might reduce the increase in the compliance burden for PMs. It will be interesting to see what trade associations think of this and their views on how this may affect the market, and we will keep an eye out for any updates from such associations in the future. Thanks to here. Lots of firms to mull over there while putting together their responses. As well as seeking to make the regulatory regime simpler for asset managers and funds, the FCA's proposals also aim to help firms provide better outcomes for consumers. This goes hand in hand with the FCA's general focus on improving consumer outcomes, as demonstrated through the recent consumer duty. So here, how does this focus on consumer outcomes affect the extent to which the FCA can simplify the regime? Well, as you, as you say, Anita, the consumer duty, which starts to apply for open products and services from 31st of July this year, does indeed reflect a change in approach to regulation by the FCA. There's a greater emphasis on consumer protection and improving consumer outcomes. The FCA notes in the discussion paper that it wants to see the asset management sector work in the best interest of the consumers and businesses it serves. And in some areas, this will mean setting more extensive requirements for firms, particularly in areas where the FCA feels consumer needs are not being met because some firms are not operating to a high enough standard. One example discussed in the discussion paper is around the public disclosure of fund liquidity. The FCA is considering whether to require funds to publicly disclose information on the liquidity of their investments and also whether to extend the types of funds in scope of its existing liquidity reporting requirements to ensure it has appropriate regulatory oversight. 
the FCA also discusses the possibility of making its expectations on investment due diligence clearer for all types of asset managers, as it found that practice in this area has been inconsistent and has in some cases led to consumers suffering losses. Firms should be aware that the FCA's desire to see good consumer outcomes across the industry could in fact mean increased obligations in some areas, rather than making it making life easier for asset managers as the idea of simplifying the regime might suggest. Alternatively though, there are other areas where the FCA suggests reducing current regulation to improve consumer outcomes. For example, where it might be imposing excessive costs on firms or consumers or creating unnecessary barriers to innovation. The UK retail funds regime, for example, is an area where the DP highlights complexities in the current rules, which it says inadvertently restrict consumer choice. The FCA proposed simplifying the regulatory regime for complex retail funds that are intended for the mainstream market to make it a more attractive framework to use, thereby increasing consumer choice. Thanks to here. We've been talking a lot about potential changes the FCA might make to the UK's regulation of asset managers as part of its post-Brexit tailoring of the regulatory framework for financial services. Hannah, what might this mean in practice for firms that operate cross-border? Well, there certainly seemed to be the potential for divergence from the EU and EU law, and that could cause extra complexities for UK asset managers. So a lot of asset managers work on a cross-border basis of offering their products to investors in both the EU and elsewhere. And if the UK regime ends up diverging significantly from the EU rules, this could make that cross-border a bit more difficult. Whereas the UK's asset management regime currently deviates, sorry, currently derives from EU legislation such as AIFMD and the USITS directive, moving away from key aspects of that legislation could leave UK managers with two different sets of rules to comply with when doing business in the EU. But this may just be an inevitability of uh, the, the new era that we find ourselves in. Thanks, Hannah. Another area that the FCA has been quite vocal on recently is the use of technology in general in the financial services markets. The discussion paper mentions the Investment Association's proposal of a direct-to-fund model, where investors would be able to deal directly with the fund when buying and selling shares or units, rather than having to transact via the AFIM. So here, can we go into a bit more detail on what this proposal is and how it could reform the industry? Thanks, Anita, of course. The direct fund model proposed by the Investment Association is essentially an alternative investor fund dealing model for UK funds. The way that it works is that direct to fund allows investors to transact directly with the investment fund of their choosing, bypassing the authorised fund manager. By removing the authorised fund manager from the chain, investors are given more freedom to choose who to transact with and the risk of loss is minim minimised, if not completely eliminated, because there is no possibility of investors bearing the consequences of a failing AFIM. The FCA would need to consider how this might play out, particularly since such a model could result in the majority of the CAS rules that are currently in force no longer needing to be applied, as traditionally and currently, the investor's credit risk to the AFIM is mitigated, is mitigated through the operation of the CAS rules. So if such a proposal goes forward, there would be no need to operate a client money account or dealing account as the investor will transact directly with the fund and the cash would go directly to the fund where it is received into the issue and cancellations bank account. This has significant advantages, but the most important 
is that the credit risk could be eliminated as the alternative fund managers, authorised fund managers role is removed, as opposed to merely being mitigated by the cash protections. It is important to note, however, whilst the cash risks may be eliminated, there will be other risks such as investment risk, which the reg regulator will need to work through carefully before deciding whether to go ahead with such a proposal. Hannah, whilst on the topic of technology, the DP also seeks views on fund tokenization. Given the recent interest in tokenized assets by the FCA, what are some of the things firms should have regard to when considering whether to deal with tokenized assets in funds? Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting area, Anita. The DP limits the tokenization discussion to that of fund tokenization as opposed to more widely on crypto assets. And as we have seen recently, there are a number of regulatory reforms that are proposed and underway in the crypto space. So I guess you need to look at them all a bit holistically. But fund tokenization would allow funds to issue units or shares to investors via digital tokens. So this is a new area and careful consideration would need to go into whether this aligns with the regulatory landscape and what needs to be done by the regulator to ensure transactions of this kind do not cause harm to investors. Clearly, the market needs to be reactive to the fact that there are a growing number of tokenized financial instruments. The FCA is mindful of the fact that the current rules in place on how units are created, transferred, registered and cancelled may not be sufficiently flexible to allow firms to operate digital registers. Before progressing with the use of tokenized assets and funds, existing funds regulation would need to be uplifted to ensure that investors remain protected and their assets are secure. I expect the FCA is monitoring this closely and it's possible that the responses from the DP will feed into a much wider discussion about tokenization across the financial services landscape and not just for the asset management industry. We definitely look forward to seeing what the FCA concludes once the responses are gathered. Tokenization does have significant potential benefits. For example, many market participants see digital assets as part of their future. Firms that seek to tokenize securities or other financial instruments, or even other assets, tend to use technology like blockchain to create a digital version of that security or asset. This comes with the advantages of enabling firms to streamline processes and expand their client base. It creates new opportunities, can save on costs by lowering the cost of bringing offerings to the market, and there is the potential for payment processes to be streamlined by removing third parties and back office service providers. Thanks, Hannah. That's certainly food for thought. So looking ahead, what can funds and asset managers expect to see coming down the line after the DP closes on the 22nd of May? What's the FCA's planned approach? The FCA seems to be still in the fairly early stages of its thinking on the future of the UK's asset management regime. When it published the DP, it made it clear that it hadn't cemented any new proposals at this stage, but rather wanted to promote further discussion and listen to stakeholders' views about what it should prioritise. It sees this as an opportunity for the UK in the post-Brexit era to update and improve its regulation of asset management with a more modern and tailored regime that better meets the needs of UK markets and consumers. The DP sets out a wide range of policy ideas and the FCA certainly doesn't want to be planning to implement all of them, or at least not all at once. This is therefore a chance for the industry to get involved and help the FCA to decide which ideas to prioritise over others. And the ideas that it takes forward will need to take account of the feedback from industry and will no doubt be subject to further public consultation. Thanks, Hannah. 
to hear any concluding thoughts? Thanks, Anita. I think, as Hannah says, we are in early stages right now. There are lots of interesting proposals that have come from the FCA, and we have only just touched the surface. Over the next few weeks, we will open dialogue with our clients in this space and get their insights too. I can imagine some clients are excited for change and others may be worried or overwhelmed at the thought of such changes. We are on hand to advise clients and offer our insights on these exciting proposals. We look forward to seeing the responses when the FCA publish them and also the FCA's proposed next steps. We plan to host more podcasts in the upcoming weeks, exploring some of the more technical areas in the deep in the discussion paper and possibly some in-person events to get clients together across different industries to share some more insights on what the market is seeing right now. Thanks to here and Hannah for your insights today. Please look out for further updates on this and other topics on our Regulation Tomorrow blog, including further podcasts on the future of the asset management regime. If you want to discuss anything we've covered today, please do get in touch with Hannah or Tahir or me and we'd be happy to assist. Thank you for listening.